This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Barbara Jores, President and CEO of Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare in St. Paul, Minnesota. Barbara, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me. Before we dive into the questions, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Oh, sure. I, um, for better or for worse, have been um, at the 25-year mark in my career, all in healthcare management and policy. I think it's a no longer a secret that my interest in this line of work was triggered back in early childhood. I was a pediatric patient, and at that time felt uh, I was pretty certain that I could help make hospitals better. Um, I knew we could make them better, uh, and this is a long time ago. At the time when I was uh, making this declaration, I had a surgeon who was my main uh, caretaker, and he agreed with me. So my path to today started at that point of agreement, and I really have never looked back. Um, since then, I've had a, the opportunity to serve at several wonderful organizations, all in healthcare, across many states. Um, so I have a, a good breadth of experience across academic medical centers, community-based delivery systems. I even did a stint in a professional services firm earlier on in my career, which really it was intense, but also foundational to building a really a, a true depth of knowledge that I've built upon since. And now I just have an absolute privilege to work for an organization that now and forever has had a long-standing and a genuine commitment to advancing subspecialty care for children. So it's really just <laughs> been a great couple decades, and um, look forward to what comes next. That's amazing. So you had this vision of being able to make hospitals and healthcare better when you were a child, and then were able to have the drive and ability to actually bring that to fruition. At what point did you feel like, you know, this is actually happening? I, I'm doing what I said I was going to do so many years ago, or did you always have that focus and always know that it was going to lead you to this point? I, I don't know if I've had that point yet. Um, that's the beauty of personal drive. Um, and the more individuals I talk with around the world that have this long-time passion, do we ever feel that we've ever achieved it? I mean, I started all of my volunteer work growing up was in hospitals and health-related. Every education moment I've had, every really outside of two or three odd jobs in college, everything has been very focused on this. And each experience, I think, oh, I'm, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Um, I'm not there. I, I think with Gillette, I, it feels a little bit more natural of maybe this is what I meant when I was a kid of saying we need to maintain health services in which children are treated differently and better than sometimes we treat ourselves as adults and to make sure that they're really in the eye of everything that we do, every role. And they can't advocate for themselves. We we have to advocate for them and, and bring our best to them every day. And I think I, I'm probably the closest I have been in my whole career to that. And I hope I continue to to hold that, that truth. Um, it's a lot bigger than any one of us, right? And I didn't realize that many, many, many years ago. Um, but it's exciting when I look back now and you ask these questions. It It, it always makes me wonder what else can we do to make it better for kids who it really it's they've done nothing to need health care it just becomes part of their life based on the situation they're faced with and how do we rise up and meet that every day 
That's an amazing drive that you have. So I'm really looking forward to talking with you more about how you're bringing that to fruition on a continual basis. I'm wondering, obviously, this past year has been challenging in many ways with COVID-19 and, you know, children didn't stop needing care. So how, what has that been like for you and, and what are your top priorities today? Oh, yes, the pandemic. Um, so pre, during and post, I think one of the largest uh, forefront challenges that we have continues to be um, the increasing urgency for equity and inclusion for children who have complex conditions and rare diseases and who also live with disabilities related to those conditions. Um, the, you're absolutely correct. The care needs didn't change during the pandemic, but we had to work a little bit very differently, but with a little bit more intention in how to assure who's getting the care that they need at the time that they need it. Um, and this was going on in concert with the recognizing and of the, uh, let's say, the persistent persistence of systemic and institutional and historical factors that were already working against the diversity and equity in healthcare and health-related services. So bringing it all together through the pandemic really um, thrust us forward in a new way. So very early on, probably it was around April 10th of 2020, Gillette, we pivoted and we went from this, this is happening to us, to how do we make sure all within our care web are okay? Because as we've learned, when children are out of sight, they can't be out of mind. We have to make sure that their care is progressing, their care plans have what they need. Do they have food? Do they have shelter? Do they have the pharmaceutical needs, the therap therapies? Um, and started doing proactive care management calls to our active patients to do that check-in and to make sure. Um, so really the pandemic amplified our current efforts of what we need to do to assure that care is timely and effective, but also equitable, right? We, are, we serve a population that is already deemed to be vulnerable and underserved by, by the condition because they're uncommon and they're rare. You take that and couple it with all of the other societal factors, again, highlighted during the pandemic, it's <laughs> how do we go upon that? So our priority continues to be to assure that this unique and special patient population is seen and, and not forgotten and not pushed aside at any time, not at the public health emergency, not during a matter of health policy, and definitely not during um, an age of um, consumerism that sometimes forget that children have different health care needs. That's a really interesting point that you made there in terms of, you know, the drive in healthcare. Obviously, consumers are making a big difference in how healthcare is delivered and, and um, what, you know, hospitals and health systems are doing for patients today. What are some of the, the needs that pediatric patients have and, and how can, you know, healthcare professionals as well as um, those in the more technology space make sure that they're meeting those needs for pediatric patients as well? Right. So one, we we need to acknowledge and qualify um, as we're coming up with advancements or policy to say who does it um, who does it impact. Oftentimes, it's easy, especially when policy, which is often tied to politics, is at a macro level, and we put out buzzwords like population health or um, 
social determinants of health. We, we need to break things down so that we can have a common definition and actually envision those that we're aiming to serve and to aid so that we can continue um, advancing our efforts. So for, for children, it's not just treating the individual child. It's understanding the capabilities of the family or the support network that they have. And all children have different health care needs. And, and to lump them together um, just doesn't work in, in some of the constructs that are often talked about. And so children are not just little adults. I know a lot of your listeners probably have heard that over and over. But, but the, the their body, their whole system is different, and it's it's growing and it's developing. And then if that system is growing and developing not according to typical standard, they, they need um, different lenses put on them and different um, subspecialties to help them to achieve their best possible health and well-being. And um, it's different. They can't always advocate, as I said earlier, for themselves. It's hard to understand sometimes where they are because of communication challenges that comes natural by speaking with a child. And then there's the times that we have the children that can speak, and as adults, sometimes we don't listen. <laughs> and and we bring our biases in of um, and different things. So it's pretty complex. It's probably something you and I could talk about for days. But um, for pediatrics, there's always has to be that kids are different, and that's good. <laughs> but let's have real conversation about what they need in the healthcare system and what they need out of the research system and what they need out of the um, all the pipelines into the healthcare industry. That's a great point. And, and thank you so much for going through that with us. Now, you know, looking into the future, how do you think that some of your um, tactics or uh, strategies for meeting the needs of your patients will evolve, especially over the coming year? Right. So um, first and foremost is policy. Um, the For children especially, there's continued marking condi uh, market conditions that are narrowing patient choice and referring provider choice and healthcare service options. Um, and this is further eroded for children who have complex and or a rare disease. And so this type of policy work, which has to be at the federal and the state level, so it's pretty challenge seeming every state manages um, health care locally um, for children because it's not through the Medicare system. It's through the, uh, Most children are served through the Medicaid program, and there's just, that's a whole other topic of confusion in America of the purpose of Medicaid and how it's managed, um, and it is meant to take care of our children, all children, based on their economic level and or the condition that they have. Um, but with that, the policy issue to assure that children are represented and that the right resources are put together. And that's a lot of advocacy and helping people understand what these terms mean, what the programs are, and what is the privilege and the right of children here in the United States for their, their health care delivery and the clinical services that they need. Got it, got it. That definitely makes a big difference. What are you most excited about right now, and what makes you nervous? <laughs> Very excited just because the rate of change, right? So this is, we've been wanting to change healthcare since at least, you know, the beginning of my um, consideration of, of the topic when I was a kid. And I feel like we finally 
are making that big leap, right? There's not a leader in any industry that doesn't think the last year has really pushed the progress for things that before we said maybe we couldn't do or we wouldn't do. And in healthcare, we have just had a proliferation of so many good things from digital enablers, data integration, the engagement of consumers has really advanced over this. So we're really challenging the healthcare status quo. And here at Gillette Children's, I mean, our teams are just grabbed this and gone. We've always been an outlier based on not only who we serve, but how we go about it. So this is really that that moment we've all been waiting for is, yes, we can, we can go and make some broad brush changes and really never go back to some of the old ways in healthcare. That's really exciting for us here. Absolutely, absolutely. That's, you know, obviously something to be really looking forward to. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, uh, can you share three pieces of advice for aspiring leaders today? Oh, yes. So it comes with age. So your leadership style and the effectiveness of your style, it changes with years of experience. So I think I definitely did at some point earlier in my career thought, I'm at the best, man. This is it. But I wasn't, and most aren't, right? So the beauty of leadership is our approach evolves, and I'm thankful that we evolve as leaders because that's what um, allows everybody who works around us and with us to be at their best. I would, I advocate and I plead sometimes with individuals, be your authentic self when you're a leader and encourage all of those around you to be. The beauty of humankind is we're all different. And bringing those differences together for what our callings are is just so powerful. So allow everyone to just be themselves. And when you bring people together, don't forget why you brought them into the team. And then the third is something that's probably the simplest of all is we learn every day. So use what you learn and use it for the good of others. Barbara, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fantastic discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Great. Thank you.